Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. And we'll be doing things just like that. In fact, we'll be taking a vintage car ride through the French Riviera this summer. And we'll be truffle hunting in Florence in the fall, to name just a few of the experiences so that I can give you a feel for it. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot. Fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly, I'm hungry. You haven't fed me. My intermittent fasting time is up. Murgatroyd, how are you? Was that like a cue? Should I just get up now and go make some food? Can you do that? The the, uh, the cord on these headphones will probably reach. Yeah. Do you want uh, some prosciutto? <laughs> what do you want? Because <laughs> that's kind of what I have right now. Sounds like we're in Italy. Well, what are we talking about today? So a few weeks ago, I posted on my Instagram uh, and I asked anyone that cared, <laughs> basically, what topics they would like us to talk about. And I had some interesting responses, but from a few people, they asked how we chose specifically these eight or so destinations that we're traveling in over this four-month journey. So I thought that would be a good topic of how we actually, the process we went through to determine where we were going. Well, look, we had some constraints, right? We we knew that we knew that my mastermind was going to start in Monaco and I had another one 4 months later that was going to end the year in Florence, Italy. So we knew that we had that space in between. And we were like, well, what 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 if we were to just stay in Italy during that period of time? Or to stay in Europe. Stay in, I'm sorry, stay in Europe during that period of time, which is four months. And then we found out that you can't actually stay in Europe for four months as an American unless you have some weird visa. So enter the Schmecken countries. Yeah. So the first thing that was um, up, if you're looking at staying in Europe or anywhere for an extended time is what does your visa allow? So depending on where you're from and what your passport is, that's going to determine it. And in the EU areas, it's the Schengen visa. And the Schengen countries are 
really kind of tricky because they're not necessarily just EU countries. For example, Iceland is a Schengen country. And so the 90 days that we are granted with our regular tourist visa would only allow us to spend that 90 days. We had to find places outside of that. Uh, Croatia is in the EU, but it is not in the Schengen. So uh, we could go there. So we had to kind of plug in some countries that would get us out of this visa issue. That was the first thing. So, you know, like Rob said, what we basically did is we got those giant sticky notes. You know, you can get them at Home Depot or wherever you get them. Home Depot? Not Home Depot. Mm, Office Depot. Office Depot. And... Wow, you're like an Italian. I You've know. been here a long time. Como se dice? Como se dice? Office Depot in America. Exactly. So you put these things up on the wall and... You know, we started it, the dates we had for his Monaco mastermind. We knew after that we were going to Mykonos because we had already, you know, bought and paid for that one that we do it every year. And we knew we were ending in Florence, but the time in between was up to us. So the first thing we did was we determined which Schengen country, which country would allow us outside of the Schengen visa. And there was a few, there's the UK there was, you know, Russia, most of the Baltic area, and of course, Croatia, Montenegro. And after much determination, we chose Croatia and Montenegro. And, you know, it was, it was really tricky though, because we used a couple of different things. We literally looked at a map of the, of the world and we zoomed in on the countries and we said, okay, what about that? So, for example, I remember, do you remember when we did went through Montenegro? I was like, what about this country, Montenegro? And we zoomed in and we were like, we think James Bond went there once. And we started first, we YouTubed videos from Montenegro. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And then we looked at Airbnb. What are the options in Montenegro for us? What are the what do the houses look like? Is this somewhere because we were going to be out of the Schengen for almost one month, uh, needing to be out of the Schengen. So we needed a place that we knew could be a good home base for us, you know, and give us what we needed for an extended period of time. And I actually watched like stupid YouTube videos, like, you know, 16-year-old girls, you know, who wound up coming here, you know, to whatever country we were looking at. Backpackers. And backpackers. And, you know, what going, you know, being tortured by their crazy but being able to kind of like look and go, would I like that? Would, yeah. would this be a good idea? That was number one. Number two for me was because we were doing Airbnbs, I wanted to read what people were talking about, not necessarily about the Airbnb, but more about the environment. For example, a lot of times when people are writing a positive review, we'll say, about an Airbnb, they'll say, oh my God, it was amazing. We woke up in the morning, we walked down to the ocean, we got muscles, we came home. And you know, and so they describe the experience. So I was able to see whether or not that was an experience you know, that I would actually like. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, check your visa issues. Second thing is pick a country, watch it on YouTube, look at Google images, kind of figure out the area in that country you would want to be in. In Montenegro, there was really only a few areas. And uh, when I looked at most Airbnbs, initially, I really didn't think it was going to happen because most of the Airbnbs were not something that we would want to stay in for a few weeks. 
And uh, then I found the Yoga Boca house that we ended up uh, booking for 18 days in Montenegro. And like Rob said, we read the reviews about that. We read the description. We made sure it had what we needed. Like sometimes you look over things. Does it have a stove? What are you doing? So we had to be, we had to make sure that these places were going to be set up enough that we could function because we're not eating every meal out of the house. You know, we're gone four months or you can't do that. So we had to have a home life, you know? And so we had to check out these Airbnbs, not for necessarily the way you would on a vacation where you're checking like proximity to the Fountain of Trevi and things like that. But we were really looking at these Airbnbs more as could we live there, work there, wash our clothes? Like what is all of that setup look like? Okay. So here's the thing I've been trying to say for the last three podcasts and I always forget it. So I'm just going to say it now. Renting a car is such a freaking pain in the ass for the last three or four months that we've been on. And what I would have thought would have made the most sense would be to research a good car company, to prepay it so that you have a car and then you get a car. Well, that works great in America. That has not been the case in the countries that we've been in here. We've been here. In fact, it's been quite the opposite. So, you know, I'll make this as quick as I can. We found a car in, you know, online in Montenegro for, let's call it. It was actually at Dubrovnik Airport. Yeah, yeah. for like, you know, a thousand bucks, whatever whatever the exact number was. And the line to get into this car place was like around the around the block. So I knew that we can cancel it you know, right then and there. And I was like, Kim, look, this line is crazy. Let me, we, let me we didn't t- prepay it. We just reserved it. So let me, let me talk to one of these other car rental people over here and see what I can do. So I go into the guy and I said, Hey, I got a car for a thousand bucks. Um, can you get me the same car for a thousand dollars? He said, you're not getting that car for a thousand dollars. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're going to go there and they are going to say, we're going to charge you $250 for prepaying fuel. We're going to charge you $300 for uh, we're going to take a $700 deposit. Then after that, we're going to charge you a $300 fee. And he said, you're going to, that 1000 is going to be 2000, but I'll do it for 1500. And I was like, no, I have it in writing. It's a thousand dollars. He said, okay, that's fine. So I went, I waited on the line and it was exactly what he said. And I lost my shit. I was like, this is a thousand dollars online. I'm walking out with two thousand dollars. They could care less. And that was the exact same thing when we came to Italy. So my recommendation is to do the following, and this is not what you would think would make the most sense, would be to not have a reservation and to show up at the airport and go from counter to counter because they're not planners here, okay? This is not well, something- Well, I think it depends what country Maybe you're in. it does, but in Italy, and I can tell you this, in Italy and Dubrovnik, it was way easier for me to walk up and for them to look at out their window and go, I got this car, I got that car, I got this car. I'll give you this one. I'll give you an upgrade. It's almost like they look at you and if they like you, the girl or the guy behind the thing is going to do give you a little extra of this. And I was like, I'm not paying for that. I'm not paying for this. But when you do it online, you don't have that in-person ability to negotiate. I, that's how I would do it. Yeah. So, and, and that was another thing that we had to look at is how many of these places were we going to have to rent a car? Because car rentals in Europe are not cheap. 
And it's pretty pricey to to spend four months with car rentals. So we also had to look at that. We knew we would need one in Montenegro and we knew we would need one in Puglia because we would be traveling around uh, the entire area and not just staying in one city and using the trains and stuff like that. But so car rental, you definitely want to look at and like he said, negotiate. I don't know. Some it, I think for me, it depends on a lot of these places you can make a reservation, but there's nothing paid and you can cancel at any time. So, you know, you could do that or you could just show up. In Puglia, we just showed up and he went, like he said, car rental agency to agency and just negotiated the best that he could. And you actually did a really good job with that. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. So you want to look at the ease of travel and you know, that's another thing. So when we're going from Monaco to Mykonos and then what's the next stop? So we would look, okay, what about Montenegro? How easy is it to fly from Mykonos to Montenegro? And that was tricky, you know, because there's a website you can use called Skyscanner, skyscanner.com. And what they do is they kind of take all of these weird little airlines in Europe and uh, put them into one list. It's like Orbit or any of those, but they it's more European, I think, and they it's just been better for us. So you can take that and see if there are direct flights. We were looking for mostly direct flights everywhere because it just makes life easier, especially with Sofia. And what I found too with Air is, you know, use Skyscanner, but also some of these weird airlines um, that go to tertiary airports, secondary airports, Ryanair, EasyJet, those airlines are really, really good for intra-Europe travel and keeping it a little bit more inexpensive. Ryanair um, was a piece of cake. They've got that thing down to a freaking science. Ryanair, EasyJet. We've actually had really good luck with both of those. So, you know, the first thing, like I said, just to go back and recap, visa issues. Two, are you going to need a car? Where, you know, how often will you need a car? Three, how easy is it to travel between destinations? We looked at that. And, you know, it was kind of like having pieces of a puzzle that we had to kind of plug in. Okay, well, we can fly from Mykonos to Croatia and then drive to Montenegro and then do a couple nights in Croatia and then fly direct for one hour from Dubrovnik to Rome. It was like a lot of moving parts that we kind of moved around and figured out. And of course, you know, Airbnbs. Will you have good Airbnbs that are equipped with what you need along the way. And we basically just wrote these out on a sticky note and stuck them on the wall. And we would talk about it one night over dinner and Rob would go get the sticky note. He'd put it near our our, uh, table and we'd look at it and we'd go over it and go over it and go over it. And once we finally locked it down, we then executed and booked all of the Airbnbs. Yeah, I'm you know, super anal when it comes to this stuff. And uh, this is one of the thing, this is one of those areas where the analness paid off because, you know, you could, everything's a coin toss when you're not actually in the country to be able to inspect something, but you need to take your time. You've got to take your time, do your due diligence, watch YouTube, look at, you know, uh, you can even search hashtags on Instagram, which I did. I would follow a hashtag like I'd follow Montenegro, you know, 
And I wanted to see what were people posting, you know, for like two or three months before I came to Montenegro. And I started to see, you know, things that were, you know, the usual typical things that when you come to Montenegro, you got to make sure you do this. So I learned a lot about it, but definitely, definitely do your due diligence and allow like, don't think you got it, right? Don't watch YouTube and go, okay, this is it. I know we're going here. Like, take the time and like Kim said, try and look at how these, how these puzzle pieces fit together from one country to the next country, not only with air, but also in what you're desiring. For example, like right now we're in, uh, in Puglia and I'm really, really enjoying the fact, like we spent the day at the ocean uh, yesterday, which I now learn is called the sea. Um, at the ocean, at the sea here. And the next step we're going is Paris. And then after that is Florence. Well, there's not a lot of, you know, ocean uh, and, and, and sea in Paris <laughs> and Florence. So I'm trying to get that out of me before we get there. And then the other thing is, you know, realize that, you know, it's an interesting thing when you're gone for four months because I, we were able to start this trip at the peak of the summer. And when you're at the peak of the summer, you know, it's, it's like a little cooler and then it starts to get hotter and then you want to escape the heat. But then you hit a point where you start going into the beginning of fall and you're starting to like the summer is still there, but the nights are cooler. And so there's this yin and yang of balancing the summer heat, et cetera. And that's one thing too, I'm glad you said that, is we check the weather. Because when we were trying to figure out countries to get us outside of our visa issue, we initially, we were like, oh, well, let's go to Marrakesh because Marrakesh was one of the destinations we have been before, but he was thinking about adding it to his uh, work hard, play hard experience for 2020. We were like, oh, we could go check out Marrakesh. Well, I'm so glad we did not. And I'm so glad we were smart enough to say, hey, what's the weather in Marrakesh in August? Because that shit's like 120. And we would have been like little ants roasting on the desert floor at that time. So you want to check the weather. Is it a rainy season? Is it super hot? Uh, we had Portugal on our list at one point, And we definitely want to go to Portugal. But it was going to be too much of driving too many planes, trains, automobiles, to crisscross the EU. Uh, we had exploring Spain on our uh, list at one point. We had Sweden, we had Russia, we had all we had France, we had all kinds of countries. And you know, there's so many places in this world that I want to travel to, but to do it consecutively for four months and do it with a four-year-old in tow and a 52-year-old a uh, man over there in tow that has a lot of opinions, we had to make sure it was going to be easy and it wasn't going to be... I didn't want to come home after four months beat up from four months on the road. I also would recommend that you play to your partners, if you're doing this with a partner, is to play to his or her strengths. So for example, Kim is not going to be the one who's going to call the airline and yell at somebody. She's not going to be the one who's going to ask for a price reduction and negotiate a uh, you know a better price on a car rental and, and fight it out when she has to. And I'm not going to be the one who can actually use a map that <laughs> will get me to where water is three blocks from the house, let alone plan an itinerary that's going to be hopping from one tertiary airport to a, uh, you know, to the next, a Quindishy airport. 
There you go. So, you know, I, I think that was kind of it. Is there any other things that you want to add to that? How we, how we made this happen? I mean, we took our time. That's what, how we did. And we dreamed big. I would say those two things, dream big. And then you're going to get really, really excited. You're going to be like, oh my God, this is perfect. This is exactly where we're going to, we're going to go to Paris. We're going to go to Rome. We're going to go to Mykonos. We're going to look at it all. And then you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to look at that giant list. And I would recommend putting it somewhere very visible. And you're going to look at that list and you're going to have a bottle of wine. Everything with us is around a bottle of wine. And you're going to look and you're going to go, you know, I just thought about something. I don't know that we're going to be able to get to Mykonos from Rome the way we thought, because we're going to have to go fly from Rome to Athens, from Athens to Mykonos, take a boat, a pogo stick. I don't know that's going to work. And that only comes by you visualizing each step. And then the other part of this, obviously, is you know paying for it, right? So in making sure that you are going to be budgeted well for this trip, unless, of course, you don't need a budget, but I'm pretty sure everybody needs a budget. So I made a uh, an Excel spreadsheet and I plugged in each destination. What was our Airbnb going to cost? What was our transportation, whether it was going to be a car or a plane to get there or a train or what was that going to cost? All of those things I budgeted in and uh, came to a number at the end and then reverse engineered a way to make that amount of money through my network marketing company and then paid all of these things in advance. So it that's how we did it. We reverse engineered this entire trip, you know, and kind of created it around our needs, our wants. You know, in Montenegro, I knew after a mastermind and after two weeks in Mykonos, we were going to need a reset. So Montenegro was put in that position because we would need the time to reset and recharge. And I would also recommend, I know we're jumping around here all over the place, but this is how conversations go, kids. They're, they're, uh, they're Especially all, in our house. They're all over the place. I, I would also recommend it in advance to decide to spend your daily budget uh, in the evening or spend it in the afternoon. So let me explain what I mean. It's very easy when you're on vacation to, to eat out breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? You're at the beach during the day and you have lunch and you go out to dinner at night. It's very difficult to do that. For not four only, months. Not only financially for four months, but it's difficult on your body for four months. So, you know, if you go out and you're at the beach and you're, you know, you have a couple of cocktails or, you know, you have a bowl of burrata and then you come back and you go out to dinner and you do the same, you're waking up bloated, um, hungover, and it's just too much on your body. So I'm gonna I'm gonna strongly recommend that depending upon what your day is, you know, when you take these trips. Say, you know, today it's gonna be a beach, and tonight we're gonna go out to the grocery store, and we're gonna we're gonna cook at home. We're gonna sit on the terrace, and you know, we're gonna you know we're, we're gonna do A, B, and C. But I think it's it's just too much to ask on yourself financially, and too much to ask on yourself on your body. And I'm not even talking about from a vanity standpoint of what you're going to look like, because you'll look like Buffalo mozzarella if you're not careful. <laughs> but I mean, just how you're going to feel. It's heavy. And also lifestyle. Like, So when you're choosing your Airbnb, you know, a lot of people, I'll hear people talk about hotels and, you know, different people have different mindsets or like, it's just a crash pad. We're not going to be there. It's just a bed. Who cares? You know? And then, you know, that's not necessarily the case if you're taking an extended trip 
or if you have kids or whatever you're doing. So for us, it was really important that in our Airbnb that we had a terrace, that in Montenegro, we had the yoga studio and that was amazing and such a beautiful view. And part of the reason that Rob is complaining every single podcast about the stairs is because we have rented places, old towns and in these old towns in Europe where they don't have elevators. But guess what we do have? We have a view. We have a view and a terrace. And I mean, our next place that we're going to in Florence is like the, it's the icing on the cake for me. It's going to be so magical. Rooftop terrace. You can see Santa Croce. You can see all of the rooftops of Florence. It's this massive patio, but it's going to be a lot of freaking stairs to get up to. And you have to make sure you're physically able to do that. So when you're doing those Airbnbs, really think about your lifestyle and what does your lifestyle look like? What do you need in that Airbnb? Are you going to be able to get up the stairs? Do you need a terrace? Do you need to make sure you have more than one bedroom? How is it set up in the kitchen? Like really, really take your time and find out. And you know what I love with Airbnb is that you can reach out to the owners and um, ask them these questions. You know, what I'm going to be there for two weeks. Is there this? Is there that? How does this work? You know, all of those questions in advance. So you make sure when you get there that it is set up for you to win and to have an amazing trip. I will leave you with this. I strongly recommend this is going to go against my wife's advice, but I'm going to tell you I'm right. Oh, good God. I strongly recommend that while you're in the negotiating process, and you can negotiate with the Airbnb people depending on how long you're going to stay there, I would strongly recommend that you ask them if they can do a speed test on their internet. And if it's five megabytes, which is what I have right now, you have to shut off all the other devices in order to do something as simple as like a Zoom. So, if you want to this upload, is obviously, if you're working from home, well, because- if you're taking the trip like this, you're, you're likely going to be working from home, right? So, I would strongly recommend that you get a minimum of 10 megabytes, and you just simply say, "Hey, can you do? Can you go to fast.com, test the speed, and if it's not, ask them in advance how they can make the speed faster." Well, on that note, have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.